Good afternoon. How are we doing? I'm Jack Chu. This is Mark Reed, and we're doing our first tandem episode just because we were going to let me hide that frame. That's hiding your face, actually. That's not a bad thing, is it? Let's, <laughs> let's put various things to obscure his face. But we were, we're like, oh, let's do the show together. And then we realized that that would be pretty pathetic if I was in this room, he was in that room, and we were like live streaming it together, especially if there'd have been some technical issues, then that would have been stupid. So instead, here we are, shoulder to shoulder. So this is the first time. Um, and the main reason, as you might have seen in the description as you've clicked on this, so thanks to those that are tuning in live. Um, but Mark um, managed to light the touch paper yesterday on Twitter. He hasn't been on there for months, and then he uh, blurts something out, and so everyone got angry, which was funny. So they've misunderstood his tweet. Some people have misunderstood his tweet. Uh, but it definitely was a topic that is relevant to discuss. And so here we are. We're going sh to share a mic. You're going to have to tell us if you can hear us okay, um, especially if we lose our mic discipline and don't keep it close to our faces. But I'm just going to show you the tweet in question, right? So... Reedy posted this yesterday. Do you, do you want to read it out? Do you read it out and, and like <laughs> that will help. The tone will help. Like, so NHS physio department still not delivering any face-to-face -face care at all. One question. Why? <laughs> I like that. Why? Right. So some people have read this as if he's saying that. NHS physio departments are still not delivering any any face-to-face -face care. So, like, he's making a statement to say that that is a fact, that none are, right? And so that's not what he's saying. He's saying that, yeah, dear NHS physios, oh, yeah. to the NHS physio departments that are still not. So he was asking a question, which is what that question mark uh, means, and, and uh, why. Um, so anyway, let's clarify that. So what are you saying and why? Why? So this this come about um, basically from uh, some of the work that I do, which I won't go into too much detail of, but I'll say it's occupational health in the public sector. And um, I spend two days a week um, working in occupational health where we see uh, a combination of referrals that come from um, team leaders to um, people being able to self-refer. And what we've seen over the last six months is just gradually more and more self-referrals coming through occupational health for uh, physio input. But these are for problems that shouldn't really fall down on occupational health because they're not necessarily occupational, occupationally limiting in any way. So it's you know, sore elbows, sore knees. The, the, the referral that really triggered this was was a, uh, a referral I got for a woman with a, uh, a sore elbow, a sore knee, and a sore back. And she was still able to do her work, so there's no, no problems with work, but she'd been to the GP, and the GP had specifically told her that she would be better off going through her work physiotherapy because NHS department at the moment isn't doing any face-to-face. And um, and therefore she was unlikely to be fully assessed, and that that's what he that's what the GP had told her. That's what she told me when I when I then um, followed up on the referral. So that was incredibly frustrating because what's happened is the uh, waiting time to enter the physio service through occupational health is going up and up and up and up, partly because um, or a lot because uh, NHS physio departments in that area. 
um, seemingly aren't seeing anywhere near as much face-to-face. Now, a lot of people came back to me after I tweeted that and made the case that they are seeing face-to-face. This is all fake news. They are seeing face-to-face. I can assure you that in the area that I am, there are at least some departments that are not seen or seen still seem very limited face-to-face. And this is uh, another question that I'm sure we're going to have to talk through, which is deciding when is suitable for face-to-face care and when isn't, because I understand that's mine. Absolutely. Right. So I'm sorry we're having to share a mic. It's because it was at a moment's notice, as this show often does, that we've actually got four of these microphones in here, but can we work them all to point at this? No. So we're having to share this microphone. Now, one of the things that is clear, and so now Mark's clarified his tweet, right? It wasn't necessarily saying that none are. And so that when someone then says, that's not true, we are, that doesn't counter his point. So let's make that let's make that clear. So when he says that some aren't, and he was irritated that they're not, and asking why are you not, then that doesn't mean that the fact that you are then counters his point. That's fair. The interesting thing that we want to talk about then is, are... What what is the average then at the moment? Because I'm hearing stories of those that are not, you know, as Mark's just said, uh, we hear a few different things that are happening whereby some departments are deciding to double down on on virtual only for the foreseeable. We've got some that have got that have gone back to status quo, so it's all face to face, and and they've uh, put put Zoom away for a while. And then there's some, and I think the majority, I would say, I'm hearing from that are doing an integrated model or their their initial assessments or their triage is virtual and stuff like that. So. I want to know from you guys that are tuning in live and also if you're coming in after the fact, as many of you do, uh, do get back to us on this as well. But I just mean, particularly in the live chat, like what is the distribution at the moment for you guys of how much you're seeing face to face, how much you're seeing virtual? If you can give us a bit of context on that, is that private practice? Is that sport? Is that NHS? But particularly in this instance, we are bothered about NHS provisions at the moment. And I think that one of the reasons why I think this lights the touch paper, and that's the question I'm going to have for Mark in a second as to why it does, why this why something like that, as well as it being just, you know, a crap wording or whatever you've been, you've been called out on or crap grammar, is the, what is it about this that, well, it's the touch paper. So let me, allow me to offer a reflection, is that we are all customers of the NHS. We are all contributors to it. That's a bad word. Contributors to it. We are all taxpayers in such a way that then those provisions are charged. And then also it's worth us mentioning that then the NHS is politicized in such a way that then there's an implication made to any critique. And in this instance, just a pointing out of fact in potentially the wrong order of words that means it's more easy to misconstrue than it could have been, perhaps if we're being generous to the critique. But essentially, the way that that is read is that it's something that's so close to people's opinions, right? So fraught with challenge it's so tethered to people's ideologies sometimes that it then does trigger people and it ends up being far more contentious than it needs to be and so that's my offer of reflection as to why these things sometimes do just sort of take off and get get pissy um and so one of the things what you were you laughing at now not why it's just common and I just want to find him and share. <laughs> <laughs> so I want you to I want you to answer the same question then. What do you think it is about this yeah. and about that tweet or this topic that yeah. then lights the touch paper? 
So, yeah, I think we're in a political climate at the moment where the NHS has become um, quite a, a sort of a hot topic issue. Um, you know, we've all been standing outside throughout the pandemic and, and clapping for carers. And, you know, uh, Captain Tom's been walking down his driveway and raising <laughs> raising hundreds of millions of pounds for to, to, to help him out. Captain no, Tom I'm, not, I'm not going to bad mouth without Captain Tom. But what <laughs> I will say is that the NHS is not a charity. The NHS is a healthcare service, um, and it's a healthcare service that is not free. It's a healthcare service that is funded out of general taxation. Okay, so you all pay for healthcare. Everyone in this country pays for healthcare in some way, but we pay for it out of general taxation. And this year, there's been a lot of healthcare needed to be done. We've had a pandemic. And because of that, there's been um, certain things that needed to be stopped in order to focus on uh, COVID care and saving lives. And I completely understand that. That doesn't change the fact that we've all been paying for healthcare and we're still paying for healthcare. And a lot of the uh, uh, common things that the NHS would do, it hasn't done as a result of the pandemic. So we look at, so I'll, I'll take a recent example, a patient that I have who is now on a 96-week waiting list for an ankle arthroscopy. Now, that's not okay, if you ask me. 96-week waiting list. She's paid taxes all her life. She's paid for her healthcare all her life. If that was a Booper policy, and Booper turned around and said, um, we're going to charge you the same amount this year, but if you want an MRI, you're going to have to wait three months instead of two weeks. If you want an operation, you're going to have to wait two years instead of six months. If you want this, you're going to have to, you know, you can't see these people, you can't see these people, you can't see these people. By the way, we're going to charge you the same. You would turn around and say, cancel my policy. No, thank you. I don't want that, right? Now, that is a criticism that I have of, of and, and I understand why that situation exists. Um, I understand how that's come about and I understand that the, the NHS has had a lot more to deal with and I'm, I'm not even for a second suggesting that we shouldn't do um, what we've done and we shouldn't have cancelled operations, etc. But it is just true that healthcare is more difficult to access despite the fact that people are paying the same amount. And I think that sucks a little bit and that's a frustration that I have. But that is a frustration that doesn't go down very well because of the current political climate and because the NHS is a bit of a sacred cow that we shouldn't really criticize. Um, stealing the microphone back before he, uh, before he badmouthed Captain Tom. Um, this is one of the things that's interesting about it is that what this isn't, this podcast as a general show, but also this particular episode, is not suddenly those badmouthing the NHS. It's more that... Isn't it fascinating that even <laughs> a fairly factual and, and somewhat tepid in that tweet um, <laughs> criticism of the fact that some aren't? And one of the things you followed up with was that it shouldn't be as much of a postcode lottery as it is generally the NHS. It's kind of a, a sort of famous thing that motivates many of us, including those that are involved with MSKR. Physio Matters have talked about it a long time. Is that it's not fair, really, the, the fact that there's such a postcode lottery to services. Now, now that that's not even the quality of the service or the access of the waiting list, et cetera, that postcode lottery. It's now also the style of delivery is now being so varied that if you're in the fall in the wrong postcode, you can't even qualify for a face-to-face -face appointment. Now, what we're not inferring with this is that there's some sort of inherent 
superiority to face-to-face -face care. It's just that there are many examples that keep emerging that we keep encountering clinically in various different contexts, including interestingly, I think Mark's context he outlined with his occupational health contract uh, within a public sector and um, it, it, public sector provisions and keeping people in, in service. It's fascinating then that the amount of cases that we're seeing like that, whereby virtual isn't cutting it, or there are things that are being missed, or are things that are being overlooked, or there's an element of, and I think that to some extent as well, the skill level, we've not been able to get skilled enough, quickly enough with regards to virtual rehab, or the fact that you've got such varying styles of practice across the piece in MSK practice, that you've got some people whose style of care is something that you really can't deliver what they do virtually now we can then make a case and have done on this show and elsewhere that they shouldn't be practicing this way but generally speaking if there's someone that is implying somewhat corrective behaviors be that with their hands with tools even with their guided rehab then they're trying to then do something virtually they're trying to retrofit a model that they probably shouldn't be practicing like i would argue but also that it's just not compatible with it so they're kind of demotivated they're frustrated we're hearing from them from various different types of therapists that are just like fed up with the the model that they're being asked to work for they're looking for other jobs we know there's all sorts of recruitment challenges as well in there but it's just that all we're laughing at today and we are admittedly laughing at it is that to have that conversation and to put those cards on the table is something that just like grow up if you're going to be so pissy as to as to just not allow for that conversation to take place now if you've misunderstood that tweet and there were a few people that like misunderstood it and then you clarified and then you had a really interesting conversation I'm going to back down. Yeah, yeah. yeah well it was it was a so there was a, a couple of examples where people misread the tweet as a, a general statement that all, no physio no nhs physio departments are seen face-to-face -face care quite a lot of people read it like that and i understand how they've misread it by the way but they have misread it and they've said that's not true and i've went what's not true and i've said that not not i've said i've not said that and then they've went oh okay right i thought that's what you said however i did have have one or two who um proceeded to try and tell me that actually no the the way that they've misread it is the only way that it could have been construed and that I, that is the way that i truly intended it and that i was actually the author of the tweet wrong in the way i'd written it <laughs> not the way that they'd interpreted it which was just an odd argument to have but it's twitter these things happen and i don't really care if you are uh, a good enough mind reader and you are you do happen to be correct there then please you've got to teach me all that you know because if i could crawl into this guy's head then that would be quite handy it was the uh, uh, sorry it was the, the also the accusation that because i i work for choose health which is a private physio clinic that my motivation was to promote my clinic as uh sort of uh create the straw man that nhs physio departments aren't seeing anyone face to face but here i can and i will sell you my care that's not what it was i was actually working in the public sector when i tweeted that tweet that that was the most entertaining thing about it that's not what happened brilliant well yeah the phone's been off the hook this morning it's been the best pr exercise for the <laughs> clinic of course i jest that's not how it works um i've got a few comments here i want to draw you guys into this conversation thank you for answering my call uh, i asked if you didn't tune into that bit i said 
are you in the NHS and are you what are you going for? Have you got a blended model? Are you virtual only? Are you face to face? We're not judging you, by the way. We know that a lot of those decisions won't be yours, but generally speaking, we know that uh, really at this point in time, we would admit it feels remiss if you've if you've not opened up and aren't seeing some patients face to face, especially those that that need it, which there are many categories that seem to be emerging that do. Kay York Jones, thanks Kay for tuning in. She said, "I do both private and NHS. We're face to face, but still following CSP roadmap, so needing longer with patients." to clean ventilate meaning smaller numbers of patients seen yes and and, th and and that is definitely something that is then driving waiting lists in many different ways or driving sometimes frustrations some clinicians not not liking that and some massive changes in practice that people aren't enjoying talita hi talita she said she's in private practice only and fully back to face to face but if people prefer or need virtual then that's what i do but always video call never phone call yeah, that's interesting because yeah well, i mean we we've and we we felt quite equipped, didn't we, when it, when it kicked off because we see a lot of people from outside of area, right? Sometimes they come to us for assessment and they're willing to travel long distances, but it's quite nice because we've, we've been quite used to managing people remotely and also our style of practice got rehab-centric and stuff. Um, although we've, we've spoken openly about the fact that even then, even with our style of care, you know, we know that the integrated face-to-face, -face, we, we, we were surprised how much we were wanting that and how much it was sort of really important to some of our, some of our patients. This is an interesting one from Kelly Clinton. Hi, Kelly. She said, I don't have the words to describe how upset and frustrated I am with how NHS services are running. I'm a sports rehabilitator. I have many stories from clients that are unbelievable. Kelly, I, I, I'll let Mark come in on this, but um, yeah, we've heard some of that, haven't we? Yeah, we have. I'm always, I'm always cautious to, to, to read too much into it because you, you only really, when you work outside of that sector, you only ever see the failing. So it creates a real biased audience, really. So when everyone comes in, uh, or a lot of the patients are coming in and they have complaints to make about the NHS. Like, yeah, and it, it leads to a bias that, oh, the NHS is really struggling there. When when in, in reality, you know, you've had five patients that week that have seen the NHS. The NHS department down the road has seen hundreds of patients, hundreds of patients, right? And you haven't seen 99% of them <laughs> because they're not being... So, they're they're not so, so mostly I think they're doing a good job. However, there is some frustrations there. Um, there's certainly, you know, the, the way that they're running at the moment, I think there's a, a perception from patients. I would make the argument that virtual will is actually sufficient in quite a lot of cases and probably underutilized one of the things that needs to change though in order for this to work is for patients perception of virtual care to change alongside to meet our perception of virtual care i perceive it to be valuable many patients don't and that's a problem because when you're delivering uh, care that is perceived as being low value i think a lot of patients uh, aren't willing to accept it and that's when they're coming down the road um, and, and and making complaints about the, their NHS department not not seeing, um, and I think that's one of the things that fuels that as well. No, it's a really good point, and certainly something that you should all reflect on is that when we're when we're taking in those stories, then you are seeing each other's failings, and that happens across sector all the time. It happens on the flip side as well. I mean, we've had we've had pretty thorough NHS careers, somewhat reluctantly leaving them um, to start this place. Really, you know, pardon. <laughs> Not reluctant. reluctant. I was reluctant. Yeah, I had a, I had a cracking job. Um, but um, but yeah, you're certainly not getting any like generic NHS hate or straw men in here. 
Um, but I think what happens on the flip side, for example, is that yeah, in the NHS you hear of all sorts of uh, poor practice that can occur where someone's been put on an ultrasound machine for chronic low back pain for 12 sessions and, and uh, plenty of money uh, milked from them. And, uh, and then it's been implied that it's uh, their mattress or some random shit that they've been told. So we know that that works all across across my front and centre. So what we're what we're not doing then is sort of implying trying to paint with too broad a brush. But what we're tr I'm trying to hide that. Sorry, is that a new one? That's a new one. Let's see what else has Kelly contributed. Sorry, um, I have an 83 year old client broke his hip. Long story about acute poor NHS care. Now that's uh, that, that starts to overlap a little bit with some challenges that we've uh, you know we we're less au fait with, right? So we're talking about typically MSK outpatient care. The challenges that the NHS has had to face in acute services and stuff is just unprecedented. And and that whilst it means you, you should, there's no doubt some um, things slipping through the net and, and, and the quality might have slipped, but as a general rule, the way in which things have been displaced, and I think there is a comment here, sorry, it's getting really busy on the, on the chat, especially because we pulled chat from five different sources, so it gets busy. But Matt Wyatt's made a point here, which I think is relevant, is that sadly a number of MSK departments have lost some or all of their physical estate to cover COVID care. Uh, vaccinations, etc. So they've no or limited face to face through no choice of their own. That's another. You know, that's the thing is that there's no. Unless you, you can correct well, me, but there's no the accusation. There's no uh, accusation. The, 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 the point of the, the the point of the tweet that triggered this whole debate. I, I said, why? I want to know why. Why aren't you seeing face to face? That point from Matt is it is an extremely valid point. Not only have people lost, like they've lost their physical estate. Many many have have, have missed. Uh, um, th their staff have been redeployed. All right, so okay, lack of staffing, lack of physical space. These are reasons why that I can understand. I don't think that's going to cut it with patients. You got to answer that though. It's not surprising that Mark's tweet was misinterpreted, basically because it's an argumentative contrary git. Correct, it is. That's fine. And if you know that, then don't come into an argument with me. And especially if you misread it, and you told you it's misread. It's the doubling down. Don't really. if you if you told you misread you've misread it. Maybe think about it before engaging that, because I will continue to argue, and <laughs> and it is going to go badly for all of us. But the thing is, I don't really care. So. It's a badly worded tweet, but for God's sake, yeah, if you if you get a clarification, then believe the author. As yes. To what yeah, I think so. Well, let's have a little read of this. So I'm gonna I'm gonna read this out um, from. Yeah, sorry, I forgot my microphone. Laura Stewart, sorry, I can't read the whole thing. So Laura, I'm gonna just close that and say. We have an integrated virtual face-to-face -face service at the moment. We're a big NHS outpatient department and returning back to normal isn't possible yet due to the numbers of people that could potentially be in the clinic room. Yeah, definitely we've been hearing about that and the waiting room and spaces that were fit for purpose uh, pre-COVID, let alone post. The issue seems to be more related to social media miscommunication, oh, sorry, communication issues rather than NHS versus private. Yeah, I mean, this issue, things really weird talking about the that they slip the touch paper and that the sensitivities in that direction and uh, the misunderstanding and misinterpretation of the tweet did that but also then um the other issue really rather than NHS versus private yeah that's not the conversation the conversation is about what is it that the NHS is currently doing we're interested in what is the standard you know most as we seem to be hearing is like a hybrid model of which we massively support I think that's a really smart thing I think those that I'm hearing about that have reverted back to old normal, I think it's really clumsy. You know, if you just happen to have had the space to do that or the service volume, 
One thing I haven't brought up yet, which I'd, I'd be interested if you're in the chat and you're still tuning in live to join us with, is one of the things that I'm probably most perturbed by, more than the sort of delivery style, which we've been talking about, is that some departments, they, when COVID hit, they didn't just then clear their lists, they cleared their waiting list. They tried to, they, they offered like a, they weren't accepting referrals for a bit. They had a, like a block on. And whilst I understand that, if they didn't then flag it or, or notice it, or it's just that they, they've then ended up in this situation where for a period of time, they were, in one case, this was an eight-week period of time where they just, they, they were, they were, the service wasn't running apart from for seeing out people's caseloads virtual only, not accepting referrals. And then I've heard of even higher than eight weeks, but I know this one for, for, for sure. And that then has meant that this backlog, this wave that has come, and apparently in recent weeks as well, hearing from people that's getting this massive wave of refers, because as people start to use their body in interesting ways again, you know, it's like first round of golf and stuff like that, of course, or when they're asking different things of themselves, um, then they're starting to notice things that they want to get sorted. You know, their, their exposure to function um, has, has meant that they've then spiked. So these, that's one of these things that's proliferating waiting lists. So I wondered your thoughts on that, guys. I uh, really appreciate everyone's everyone's comments. I'm sorry, we're not, definitely not going to be able to, to get to them all. Uh, Paula Deacon has said, Mark was spot on. Patient perspective of how can I have physio over the phone is a common question. That's something that I think we need to work on. And also, I'll, I'll, be, I'll allow myself to be controversial rather than in for a change and say that some of the same people that have been implying that the magic is done with our bare hands are then pissed off that the patients won't pay for them to see them virtually, right? Just think about how ridiculous that is. Some of the, some of the same people that have been implying that the special source is in our hands rather than in our words, in our rehab, in our, our functional guided exposure style care are then frustrated that the patient that, that there's a there's a difference in how the market perceives our expertise right you might well have contributed to that fella i'm afraid it's annoyed me um but can you um really just talk a little bit about what you think the downstream consequences are of not having a joined up let's say we both we seem to agree that the hybrid model we liked right the, the yeah. sort of face-to-face virtual hybrid model but what do you think are the consequences if by postcode by postcode, that varies significantly in provision. What do you think will happen downstream sort of societally? Yeah, so I, I think physiotherapy are already struggles a bit with with perception, you know, in in the way that the the uh, profession is held in, in esteem by uh, the wider public. I don't think we're held in as high esteem as as, as consultant orthopedics and 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 others, um, and even GPs. Um, and I think it, it adds to that problem, really. It compounds that issue. When, when some localities are perceived to not only be not offering um, good care, but offering it virtually and, or over the phone, I think the biggest issue I've had is most of it's not virtual. It's actually people getting appointments over the phone and they're saying, like Paula said, how how can we do physio over the phone? It doesn't make sense. And the, the, the downstream consequences of that are just the reputation of the profession again. Um, and I think it, it has it has consequences for general health if people are going to be less likely to consult physiotherapists for their sorbets. I don't think that's a good thing. 
because I think the physiotherapists are one of the best equipped professions to deal with people's MS care problems, both in diagnosis and in treatment. And if people stop doing that because they perceive it to be low value or a waste of time, or I only got it over the phone and how can you do physio over the phone? I think that has some consequences for the general population's healthcare that I don't want. Um, and I think it has, has consequences for the wider profession and the way that we're viewed. Mm, um, sure. And that's not a good thing. So you read this one from Johnny. So Johnny's put hybrid model in our service. Amazing how patients are, after having virtual really like it, but prior are dubious. Following first oh. initial face-to-face -face can be accessed if deemed appropriate and required as per Matt's point, loss of clinics for use. Absolutely. And that's the thing that I've noticed as well is that when people are, are sort of a bit skeptical about how virtual might work and after they have that first appointment, they're like, brilliant. And sometimes I've even been through uh, uh, an assessment with them virtually and said we can do face-to-face -face appointments if you'd like or we can do it virtually and they've actually opted for virtual like that happens quite often um, so it does happen and I think giving patients the choice is a really good thing where, where I get um, a little bit um, skeptical is when the clinician is making the decision on behalf of the patient the clinician is deciding whether or not this case is worth seeing face-to-face -face or virtual and the patient doesn't have any input. And I think that goes badly because sometimes the patient may believe that they need to be seen face-to-face -face, and if they're not, they're going to have bad outcomes. Yeah. And that's where I think it goes wrong. Yeah, exactly. And I think that patient choice is something that is so so seldom brought forward really as well because it's become a bit paternal. I think the pandemic's done that to us as well as healthcare professionals. I think there's something a bit lofty. I think we have started to to not, not all the time of course you know not all hashtag not all not true um not all the time but we, we do sometimes seem to yeah think well we know what's best we know what's safe uh we're the people that can pass our hand hygiene audit better than you you know there's some sort of weird lofty medicalization of expertise that's occurred now last couple of minutes then i just want to pull this up i know you've just read johnny's thing but it also he goes on to then say that as per Matt's point, loss of clinic for use in COVID care is a huge factor. Alongside loss of 50% of the workforce to redeployment, that is huge. And, and that's why all of the things we're describing, we're not attributing some sort of narrow responsibility to one stakeholder group or departments, or certainly not the clinicians themselves, especially if there's any of us out there raging, thinking that we're, we're having a go at you as if you've got much choice in this matter. But when it comes to this, and Johnny, I, I suspect that you'll have seen some of this stuff uh, when it emerged, but when I hear about the workforce challenges that are taking place and people still scrambling to sort of get their departments back on track after various different waves of redeployment, I really struggle with that because of the work that I tried to do to say, it's probably not a good idea for your consultant grade and advanced practice physios to go and work as porters at the hospital. Right, I was, I was that guy. And so whilst it's not a fun I told you so for me, and it doesn't mean that those challenges then don't exist, the ways in which those were small p political decisions within the health quangos that occurred, as well as some of the large p political decisions that were then influencing that sort of stuff. But the, the, there was a, a, a massive attempt by me and others to try to make 
some of those policies more sensible. You never know. The counterfactual might not have existed um, to the to the good effect of what I'm talking about there. I'm not saying that if, oh, if only they would have implemented my policy, the world would be a better place. But generally speaking, a sensible redeployment strategy that then spoke to people's individual skill set and helped people to bolster a rehabilitation model that we'd still be using, right? It wasn't just for COVID. It was for COVID-displaced patients. So when I hear stuff like that and I agree with it and I know that that's a big factor affecting things, it is ridiculous just how poorly this has been managed by managers and managers of managers, right? And that, that they are so rarely in the ire of people on this, right? Everyone finds it the world's easiest thing, and rightly so, to shake their fist at, at, the, at, the, at the governmental ministerial positions making these calls. And they are, we're no fans of them, right? But the, health, the way that the health quangos have dealt with this and the way that they are then uh, so far away from any public scrutiny is fascinating because some big calls were made and some bad calls were made, again, in our position. Love to chew that over if anyone wants to challenge us on that and get stuck into those weeds. But for now, let's wrap up. Schumacher's has put a decent point here as, uh, to finish, which is we're both a bit bolshy today and he's expecting a mic drop moment at the end of this well this mic doesn't drop because it's on such a fancy boom pole but uh yeah i know what he's meaning we have been a bit larry so hope you've enjoyed it thanks so much for the yeah he's just he's just he's actually on a calm day <laughs> so yeah thanks a lot everyone really appreciate it and sorry we've, we've run out of time uh but yeah i'm sure we'll we'll chew this over uh, again uh, that tweet again just to just to stir the pot a bit that's what that's what reedy said and isn't it badly worded but do you, want to, do, you want to, do you want to finish off by just saying why again? I enjoy <laughs> Why? <laughs>